Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, the topic today is the journey. And uh, it's actually a continuation in some ways of last week's shows. And so we're trying to create a kind of uh, flow with these shows so people can go listen to them. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And uh, they're in the archives of the... Uh, radio station that we broadcast on and uh, eventually we put them together so that people can use them for study programs and you know play them and then listen uh, to each other talking about them and uh, pick up little things we have lots of articles and all these things but ultimately that's just kind of roadmaps you know trying to tell you what the path is you have to walk the path to really get to where we're going because uh, the journey is the destination. Christ said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's that's the journey. That process is a part of your salvation. If you're not seeking the kingdom of God, you're not following Christ. You're not saying and doing and acting according to the will of God because He came... To be a doer, not a hearer only, not somebody who sits in a pew and says, yeah, I believe, but then goes out and does whatever he wants. Now, you you may do some things, right? Maybe you're not an adulterer. Maybe you don't murder people, but you probably take a bite out of one another. You know, this day and age, every single nation in the world is a socialist nation. And socialism takes a bite out of one another. That's just the way it is. And the path of Christ is the other way. You don't take a bite out of one another. As a matter of fact, you're warned in the New Testament not to take a bite out of one another lest you be devoured. Well, you didn't listen (laughs) and you're devoured. You've all become merchandise. You're entangled again in the uh, yoke of bondage and you're trying to figure out who to elect as president or prime minister or whatever. And he will save you. And of course, that's a rejection of God. The voice of the people is a rejection of God. We have articles that show you this this step by step. A lot of people don't want to see it. And we've had people around on the network. Everybody should be a part of the network. We just had another congregation start up in Australia. Um, You need to start coming together. Because that's part of the path. Forsake not the coming together. And then what do you do when you come together? Well, you do what the early church was doing. You practice pure religion. You start taking care of one another. Now, you're so far away. You're you're not going to do everything that the early church did right out of the gate. But you got to be going in that direction. If you're not gathering together with other people and sacrificing weekly, daily, for the welfare of others and not just for yourself, You don't deserve to be saved because you haven't repented. Because that's what repenting was all about. I mean, John the Baptist told you that. He's saying if if your neighbor doesn't have a coat, he should go to the government and apply for a grant. No, no, he didn't say that. (laughs) Actually, he did say that. He did say, go to the government and apply for a grant. 
Except the government was of the people, for the people, by the people. So you had to go to your neighbor and say, I don't have a coat. Can you help me? And your neighbor might say, why don't you have a coat? Well, I was stupid. I was foolish. I don't want to be foolish anymore. But I'm freezing. Can you help me? Well, if you think he's sincere and you have an extra coat, you share with him. You're the government of the people, for the people, by the people. So you share. Now, the government of God, the kingdom of God, there's rank in the kingdom of God. But we don't exercise authority one over the other. The rank is just so that there will be an accounting. You know, like when we get to the other side of the river, we say, oh, is everybody here and accounted for? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, yeah, we got them all. Because we care. That's why we count. We don't count because we're going to tax you. We care because we count because we care. That's why they use words in the Hebrew and in the Greek, even, that means take account, not rule, not exercise authority, but take account. Why? Because that makes sense. Because it it's just common sense. You're not a scattered flock. You know, when the, when the sheep are out on the desert and a coyote comes by, they gather together. They actually have a pattern. There are groups in the flock. They, everybody looks out there and they see the sheep. They all look the same and they can't see. But the sheep know who each other are. You know, the, the when I first heard this years and years and years ago, they used to, and they still do, Places in Turkey and in Greece and where they have mountain pastures. So they, they will have to go from lower pastures to upper pastures and then back again when fall comes. But in the summer, they're moving to the upper pastures as the snow melts and the grass turns green. And so they may have a thousand sheep moving along these mountain trails up to another pasture that is higher up. And the sheep actually line up in the same order every time. Certain sheep are ahead of other sheep. They, they follow in an order. Because they know each other. And, and when there's a wolf or something, they gather together with their small group and their small group gathers together with the big flock. But they look for certain sheep when they're, and, and, you know, we had a bobcat get into the sheep once when they were let out a little bit early because we had to go somewhere. And there was still a bobcat in the field somewhere in the sagebrush and it attacked the sheep. And we saw the dust flying and sheep running. And we got there and they didn't kill the sheep, but they got one lamb and they bit him up pretty good. I mean, they got claws in them and they bit him in the back and, and he was definitely wounded. But he was still walking, but not very well. So he couldn't keep up with the other sheep who had to go out to the desert pastures. And and two sheep stayed with him. For days, they stayed with him. I mean, they would get together at night, but he couldn't keep up as they moved. But they would stay back so there was not a lone sheep. There was three sheep there. And they would keep him company. And eventually he got better and better and could keep up with the sheep and then join the rest of the flock on a regular basis. But while he was injured and couldn't move very fast, they stayed back with him. Would you do that for your neighbor? You know, if bad things were happening, would you stay back for your neighbor and help him? 
Should you stay back for your neighbor and help him? Maybe he's a total jerk. <laughs> and he would actually be detrimental to your family if you invited him to come along. How do you know? I, is he good under pressure? Is he a caring person? Is he a sacrificing person? You know, the fact that he mows his lawn, that doesn't tell you much. You don't really know these people. You don't know the, you know, the houses all lined up in a row, you know, made it ticky-tacky. Uh, we used to sing about back in the old days, back in the 60s. You don't know each other. You're all divided. And, of course, that's what happened to Rome. Rome got all divided. People didn't care about each other. They looked to the government for the free bread and circuses. Marriage broke down. There was almost a total cessation of marriage. Most people were not married. They just lived together. Orphans were everywhere. And so that they needed to feed the orphans. And they gathered them up. And, you know, a good healthy uh, child was got to be very valuable during the plagues. Christians actually kept track of their children in a community way, by what we call christening today, that's where christening started, because if the uh, Christian parents died, pagans would want those children to raise them as pagans. So Christians made documented that these children would be taken care of by other Christians. And so they had this christening, this baptism of sponsors that would be you know, parents, if something happened to the parents. They they were very practical. Christians were doing all the kinds of things because the conflict between Christianity and Rome and what Rome was doing was that Rome had gone socialist. And their temples were their social welfare system. And you had to pay in to those government temples to provide for the welfare of the people of Rome. Except uh, there was, for centuries, it had been private welfare. We called it religion. That's what religion was. Religion was a, a system of welfare, even way back in the ancient times. The sacrifices that you made back in the tabernacle day, the tithings, that was to take care of the needy of your society. And that's what the Levites were doing. They were serving the tabernacles, the tents of the people, the congregation of the people, the gathering of the people. And how did they gather? They gathered in small groups of ten, picked a minister, and those ministers gathered in groups of ten. And a whole nation was united. Just like those sheep. And people who live out in nature, they understand how this works. David understood how this works. He was a shepherd. You know, you, you know, I, first time I noticed, uh, how uniform the sheep were. I mean, I, you could always see groups of seven, eight, nine, ten sheep that would, you know, in a certain pastoral scene, they would end up shoulder to shoulder with their heads down grazing, moving along. And then there would be another group and another group and another group. But I took them up on the high desert one time. It wasn't really a pasture, but it was early spring. And they were walking across this area that they had never been before. And you saw 120 sheep shoulder to shoulder in a single line together, each one. I didn't understand at the time that they actually have a whole pattern there. 
Now, a sheep's brain isn't even as big as a softball. And they got this figured out. When there's danger, they form a network of people. Ancient civilizations, Teutons, Franks, uh, Gauls, they all knew this. England, tithing men, they all knew this. There was a reason why they came together. And it was, yes, there was some fear probably involved, but ultimately what made them strong was love for one another. And of course, that's one of the basic commandments. We have to love one another. And so, anyway, we'll, we, we, we need to move along so that we can get to some of the topic, but that's, that's basically where we're going. But this is not just a physical journey. This is a spiritual journey. And in, uh, in, uh, Matthew, uh, 24-24, we're told, for there shall arise false Christs, false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders. And so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. And he, he you know, we see this in Mark. And uh, it's just the way it is. What goes around comes around. So there'll be guys who are fooling you. And what will happen, this, this will all take place and, 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 well, actually it's taking place many times. It happens every generation. But ultimately, uh, this, uh, immediately after that time, uh, there'll be tribulations in those days. Now, you don't have to read the Bible to know that the, the world is headed for trouble. One of the, one of the, uh, I won't, interpret this for you or share with you my interpretation actually can be looked at two ways there it says wheresoever the carcass is there will the eagles be gathered together now some people you know that's a carcass some people it's a body wherever the body is the eagles will gather and some will say not eagles but vultures and uh uh but the reality is is that uh there's going to be some serious changes. Many of the prophecies, I heard somebody the other day talking about Revelations and one of our groups and was trying to tell everybody what uh, Revelations meant. And, and of course, those are all just his private interpretations. And if I told you what I believe Revelation means, that's my private interpretation. That's me speaking to you. Him speaking to you. Whoever speaking to you. But, I may have it right. He may have it right. Maybe we're both wrong. Uh, the reality is, that, I mean, uh, I have I've very seldom seen anybody actually go into the depths of Revelations as much as I do. And it's one of the last things I want to interpret for anybody or suggest an interpretation for. <laughs> because it is just so full of symbolism. Now, some... And one of the problems is is that it was probably written at two different times, not at one time. It was probably written by at least two different people. Anybody who studies the Greek know that there was some serious changes in the style of writing. Why such a drastic change? And if you study fragments, which most most ministers have got a clue about fragments, it appears that the first part of Revelation was written 
way back. It may have even been written by John the Baptist. And then later on, uh, rewritten, same basic text, but rewritten as a part of what we see as Revelation. And so the earlier writing, you know, was redone in Revelation, but it had been written earlier. And it's a huge debate amongst theologians as to when it exactly was written. And, you know, why doesn't it talk about the fall of Jerusalem in, in that? That would be a major item. It doesn't seem to even be mentioned. It's talking about it in almost in future tense. It's so full of symbolism, you could translate it many different ways. And people are going to debate these things forever. But how does this get you on the journey? How does this seeking the kingdom of God? Everybody wants to know. But what about revelations? What does that mean? Because they want an edge on the future. You want an edge on the future? Get in the present. Live in the present. Christ was in the present. The kingdom of heaven is in the present. It is at hand. Are you walking in the ways of Christ? When you look out in the world today, the country is divided. You know, the, we see the face of Europe changing. They say that in, in, within a decade, Europe will will not be European. The the people that have lived there and the cultures that have lived there for generations and upon generations is are dying out. Well, the reality is, if you could actually be as old as me, you could see that uh, and studied history or studied history. You could see that, you know, places like Sweden and Norway and and certainly France and and Germany are not the same nations now that they were 200 years ago. Because they're all, Denmark, all these nations are socialist states. They were never socialist states before. Oh, people in those countries helped one another, cared about one another. I mean, the harsher the climate the more likely it was that people would be there for one another in hard times. But And that's one of the reasons why socialism seemed to slip into those countries so easily and were at first quite a success. Because those people were commonly taking care of one another. But they changed the way in which they did it. The paths of their charity and their caring about one another changed. It no longer went from neighbor to neighbor, binding neighbor with neighbor, and and generations of families with generations of families. Now it all is filtered through the government. All their blood goes up through the government and back into their bodies. That's actually the heart. See, the heart that is pumping their system of welfare because they, they were carrying people for thousands of years. It had to be. It was, it was rough living in those places. And so socialism seemed to fit. But something happened. Something changed. The path of the blood of their sacrifices now went through benefactors who exercise authority. It didn't go through the community and your local ministers. I mean, religion is dead there because the state religion. Socialism is the religion you get when you abandon the religion of God. 
Because the religion of God says you take care of one another. You love one another. And the socialism says you take care of one another and you love one another. Same thing. So it fits into their culture. But something changed. Something slightly changed. But it makes a big difference. And what slightly changed is now their offerings go through benefactors who exercise it. They didn't mind paying taxes. It seemed like, you know, we always take care of one another. So, you know, it seemed good. But what they didn't see is that they were going off course. If you leave, uh, you know, Playa del Rey Harbor in Los Angeles with your sailboat, and you set a course for Japan, and you're off by three degrees when you set your course. Just three degrees out of 360 degrees. Just, you don't have to be going the wrong direction. Just three degrees off. You'll end up in the Atlantic Ocean before you hit any land. Isn't that amazing? How, how could that be? You're just three degrees off. You're not, you didn't just miss Japan. You missed China. You missed India. You missed Africa. Because <laughs> you were just three degrees off. Has to do with curves and all kinds of things. So, the fact is, is we've gone off course. And now what's happening? Well, no one seems to know what to do. They, they look around. They see the, the world on a brink of destruction. And they say, well, what do we do? we we got to elect uh, Trump or Cruz or, uh, or Hillary or Bernie or, or, you know, maybe it's the United Nations you think is your salvation. You think? <laughs> you think all these things. But, see, that's because you've been off course. You thought, well, government will help us. Government will pay our tuition. Government will uh, fix things, our health care, take care of our parents. Government will do it. So you're, you're still looking in the wrong direction. You're thinking, we should have been to Japan by now. <laughs> So you say, well, let's, let's put up more sail and sail faster. <laughs> you're off course. You're, you're way south of the Seychelles. <laughs> you're not even going to get to see Madagascar. You're going to end up in the Atlantic. <laughs> uh, and so, what, what's the, and of course, you'll run out of water, food, everything else in the old days. Because of navigation errors, sometimes whole shiploads of people died of thirst because they had no water. And they were just a few short miles from land and, and fresh water. But they didn't know it because they didn't know where they were. And in the world today, the people are lost. They don't know where they are. And that's what we're going to show you is where you are, where you are, how you got there so you can get back to safety. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom.
welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what's uh, what do we need to do? What what was it that Christ was trying to tell us to do? I mean, he said, "Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness." So, what does the kingdom of God and His righteousness look like? Well, one of the things that I'm constantly telling people is history repeats itself. You want to know the future, study the past. And we see at the time of Jesus Christ, major transitions going on in what you would call the world at that time. And the world, often when they're referring to the world in the Bible, they're using several different words. And often when they talk about the end of the world... They were talking about the end of the constitutional order or system of government because that's the word they used that meant that. Uh, actually, when they talk about the end of the world, most of the time they're talking about the end of an age. Almost nowhere do they talk about the end of a planet. They're talking about the planet changing. New heaven, new earth. But there was a new heaven and new earth after the flood. You know, I mean, you now you had rainbows. You didn't have rainbows before. And those who study science will say, well, my, my goodness, what changed? Atmosphere. The amount of atmosphere changed, and it changed the whole environment of the planet. And, and uh, millions of animals died off because they could not adapt to the change. And because of some of the violence of that changing process. Uh, you know, when we look at the Bible, the Bible is actually telling us lots of stuff that actually are giving us scientific insight into the universe in which we live in, which is multidimensional. And, uh, I mean, I am, I'm amazed at the amount of atheistic scientists that are telling us every day that the world looks more like what the Bible said. <laughs> but, now... Saying that doesn't mean that your average fundamentalist, Bible-thumping Baptist understands it either. You know, I mean, that they're reading often what is a metaphoric symbols as if they were talking about specific realities, which is why they can't figure out Revelations. I mean, Revelations talks about a mark of the beast, and it talks about the beast being wounded, and it talks about... The image of the beast, something that looks like the beast, but it's slightly different. And uh, but the, the the image of the beast, this new beast, can do things that the original beast could not do. It can make fire come down from the heavens in the sight of man, and that's a clue as to what these beasts are. And and, and understanding the history of the time and what. Who was the beast back then, and who was, you know, uh, doing the things that the beast does, going about devouring who he will, and and uh, why we're not supposed to be biting one another, why we should put a knife to our throat if we sit and eat with rulers, and uh, you know, listen to Paul and and uh, who quotes David who's talking about what should have been for your welfare becoming a snare and uh, how you strike hands with someone who doesn't believe in the ways of John the Baptist, which is faith, hope, and charity, and you become a surety for debt. 
All these things start making sense and falling together, but the average Christian hasn't got a clue. But the world he has believed in instead of Christ. I mean, he believes in a Christ, but it's one of those false Christs that have been created by men who said, oh, Christ is here. Christ looks like this. Christ looks like that. Uh, Christ, uh, Christ means this. They're all private interpretations, but are void of some of the basics. I just put up a page last night. I don't know if we'll get to it. Probably, Maybe in the third show we'll talk about it. When Jesus said, uh, uh, forgive them. They know not what they do. There's some people who argue with that translation. Because they look at an interlinearity and they say, wait, wait a minute, that, that doesn't that doesn't modify uh, no when he says not. That modifies forgive. And so they interpret it because they look at the interlinear and they interpret it as forgive them not for they know what they do. I, I heard this years and years ago. I thought that was amazing idea and it is just you know of course i asked the holy spirit what is that why does that seem why does that seem true to them and i'm not going to tell you now <laughs> but i talk about it in the uh, or i infer to it you know because i don't give you all the answers i i i point the direction you know it's like when you're navigating with following your compass and you're three degrees off heading for Japan across the Pacific Ocean, headed west. And I say, you know, that constellation up there should be farther south. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, you, you know, you look like you're off course. <laughs> you know, we're getting into a very warm current. Did you really want to go to Hawaii? <laughs> or did you did you know we were headed to Australia? <laughs> so I'm giving you hints. You're off course, folks. You better readjust your course, which is what repentance is all about. Realizing that you're off course. You're all out there, you know, trying to elect a new king, new ruler, and uh, set yourself free. Uh, from your responsibilities because he's going to fix things. You don't have to do it. You don't have to be the government of the people for the people and by the people. You just elect somebody else to be the government. And he's going to fix things for you. The amazing thing is right now, right where you're sitting is the solution to the problem. But also, right now where you're sitting is the problem. <laughs> and it's you. You're the problem. That's the good news. Because you can do something about you. You can't do something about all those other zombies out there. But you can make sure you don't become the walking dead. Not that you're going to get bit by a zombie. But you know, you know, if you do not have the life of Christ, you're the walking dead. If you think socialism is a good thing... You don't know Christ. Because that's not what John the Baptist was talking about. It's not what Jesus was talking about. It's not what Abraham was talking about. It's not what Moses was talking about. So, I don't care if you call yourself a Jew or a Muslim or a Christian. 
if you're a socialist, you don't know God. Because God operates through free will offerings, through charity, through pure religion, unspotted by the world. That, you know, that constitutional order and system of government, that, those benefactors who exercise authority, those fathers of the earth. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I use those words, father, benefactor, you need to read some of our articles. So, anyway, the modern Christian, he doesn't really know what to do about the end of the age that is coming up. There's going to be an end of the age. That's what it says when it says world, end of the world. It's using the word age. There's going to be a new age. Starting up after. Now, I'm sure you all think you're going to be a part of that new age because you all think you're being saved or been saved because you've accepted Jesus. But yet there were lots of people who say, and Jesus warns us, lots of people who say they've accepted Jesus and he says, get you from me. I know you not. But they said, wait a minute, we did all these great things in your name. He says, I don't know you. You don't know me. But we're Christians. No, I don't think so. So how do you know you're not... Are you bearing fruit? Or are you feeding the beast? Now, I'm not telling you not to feed the beast. I'm telling you to turn around and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I know a lot of guys who think, well, we're not going to feed the beast. They just don't want to pay their taxes. They're not friends with the unrighteous mammon, but neither are they fit for more righteous habitations because they're a bunch of selfish people. There is no selfishness in the kingdom of God. None. Can't can't get in if you're selfish. And, And why don't you forgive? You're selfish. Why don't you give? You're selfish. Why are you so selfish? Because you're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You want to decide for yourself what is right and wrong. You don't want to follow the will of God. You want to be God. You're tempted with that idea. You'll be boastful and tell people, this is what this means, and this is what this means, and this is what this means. And, of course, now I'm stuck in that position where I'm, I'm supposed to tell you, that's, you're going the wrong way. You're off course. you got to repent. Turn around. And some of the first things people ask me is, what should I do? I don't know what you should do. I know you need to find Christ. What I'm telling you is that if you're not taking care of one another in a daily ministration through pure religion and the Corbin of Jesus Christ, according to His blessed strategy of faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty... You're not following Christ. You're not seeking the kingdom of God. And you're probably not saved. If you're eating out of the trough of the pig farmers, that's a metaphor. I'm not picking on pork raisers. <laughs> I'm, you know, who's, who's got the pork barrel projects in the world today? If you're eating out of the troughs of rulers who exercise authority one over the other, then you're serving, you must be serving the wrong master. You can't just free yourself 
But you have to take whatever little time you have, whatever little energy you have, whatever little He leaves you, and share it with others. And when you do that, something there's a ripple in the spiritual realms. A current change where suddenly God will hear you and bless you. But you have to give out of love, not out of greed. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. I don't know that you're going to get a nice fancy car or beautiful house with parquet floors uh, and a hot tub. I don't know that you're going to get those things. Chances are you aren't. Jesus didn't have those things. Though he was rich, he made himself poor. That's what it says. The question is, are you traveling the way? The way through love for one another? Is that the way you're going? You know, I heard Alex Jones today. I don't listen to Alex Jones with any kind of regularity whatsoever. I mean, he stirs the pot out there, but it was a. It was because, uh, uh, you know, actually, I, I followed a link uh, that talked about the fact that certain things are going on on the internet to make certain sites like News with Views, where some of our articles are showing up. It was sh- when you went there, hit a link from. Uh, not just Google Chrome, but maybe some of the others, but Google Chrome was obviously uh, uh, one that would do this, it would say that News Reviews had a malware. Well, they scan News Reviews' website, entire website, get a clean bill of health every day. Uh, they, Their servers give them a clean bill of health. There is no malware. But something is making that appear so suddenly you can't go to that site and, and millions of people aren't going to, well, I don't know, millions of people are going to try to go to our our articles, but they were trying to go to our articles and they were seeing this warning. But there was no malware there. So anyway, Alex Jones did a story about this where showing that how this is happening to other outfits too to keep people from seeing and he was going through a rant hating Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is this evil, evil thing. And then, uh, of course, Glenn Beck was saying the same thing about Trump. Because he was for Cruz. And, of course, Trump was saying that about Cruz. And, of course, they're all saying that about uh, Bernie and Hillary. And everybody is turning on everybody. It's like the <laughs> uh, the dogs... Uh, Barking and growling at each other all the time. None of them have the answer. That's all giant coliseum and entertainment system for you. None of them are your salvation. None of them. And all of them are tempted by a serious spirit of evil. Because they're all... You know, promoting the idea that the voice of the people will elect a ruler that will be better than God. You know, they they claim that, you know, I mean, Alex Jones says prayers, Glenn Beck says prayers, uh, Trump actually talks about 
uh, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and, and I'm sure all these guys are nice guys, you know. Well, maybe not all of them, but some of them are nice guys or have some good qualities. Uh, but they are not your salvation. None of them are your salvation. None of them can solve your problem. God can solve your problem, but you have to let God in your life. Again, I'll say it again, but we're going to get into this more de- in more depth. This is a spiritual journey. Your spirit is within you. You need to see the spirits that are influencing you. I just got a call the other night. Somebody was all distraught, upset. I won't, I won't give away who it was or anything. All distraught because somebody was outside his house, sitting in the car talking to somebody, and he was all upset about it. And you could, I could hear the anger. I could hear the spirits that were pulling the strings of his heart. Uh, I mean, it just was just to me, I can see that. Uh, you know, in in the tone, you know, I told the story that, you know, I, I heard a politician speaking. He wasn't running for president at the time, but evidently he was thinking about it. And I heard him from three rooms away while I was working, uh, putting on a storm door for somebody, and I I could hear the voice, and I could hear the evil in his voice. He has very good voice, very articulate, great speech maker, and I could hear the evil tones coming through there. And I I didn't know what he was saying, but I said, "Oh, there is evil there." And and the interesting thing is is that you'll see this. Some of these great speakers, they have that. But most people don't hear it. But the, the people will fall all over themselves for this individual. There's something, because there's evil in them that's appealing to what? To the evil in the people. It doesn't matter who you elect. The fate of the nation is driven by the spirit that dwelleth therein. Where does that spirit dwell? In the people. You've already been invaded by that spirit in your hearts and in your minds. You've created a world, a realm that caters and feeds that spirit. It isn't the taxes. That's not the problem. You're feeding the spirit of envy and lust and anger and hate and therefore, fear, because fear cometh with anger. If you're an angry person, you will be afraid. The barking dog is the most frightened. It's just a matter of what his response is at this time. But evil doesn't care whether you fight or uh, flight. Evil just wants you responding to it. And that's what was happening to this this fellow is that he was tempted by the presence of evil. Two evil uh, entities were living and dwelling and, and feeding on two people. And it was coming near him and it was giving that evil in his realm, the realm where he lived, in the physical realm where he lived, power. 
to reach in and touch him and make him evil too. He was being spiritually bitten and he became angry and upset and frustrated and envious and jealous. And in the fact is, is, you know, had to put the demons down. Uh, but he needs to put the demons down. He needs to come face to face with those demons that are getting and pulling the strings of his own heart, his own mind, and dragging him down in these uh, corridors of evil to a pattern of evil. We have a whole nations all around the world they're following these patterns of evil. You think what's happening in Syria and, and uh, Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran are, are the result of ISIS? It's a spiritual result. ISIS is the manifestation. The spirit has already been there. It's been there, actually it's been there for thousands of years. But because of things you brought into those realms, you've been feeding the beast. And it's been growing. The, the, the beast does not live... You know, people says, don't feed the beast, don't pay your taxes. That's ridiculous. The beast does not feed on taxes. It's a spiritual beast. It, it, you know, the government doesn't run on taxes. It runs on debt. <laughs> It runs on your greed and covetousness. It runs on your sloth and apathy. That's how it runs. And you're feeding that spiritual beast. You don't have to change the government. You don't have to elect somebody new. I mean, you can go ahead and do that if you want. I'm not telling you not to vote or vote or anything. I'm saying change in your hearts and in your minds. But, because we are on a spiritual journey in a physical realm, there are things that you need to be doing physically that will alter what's going on in your heart and in your mind. You know, and and those are the things that we're going to have to uh, get into depth and talk about more. But you have to do some serious contemplation uh, let's switch gears here a little bit before the uh, we get to the end of the the program just to to get some view on this whole idea of the journey being a spiritual journey and I want you to understand that I'm not picking on people. I'm not picking on people running for office. I'm not picking on people who vote. I'm not picking on people who send their kids to public school or, or on Social Security or any of these things. What I'm talking about is you changing the way you think. If you change the way you think automatically automatically you will begin to make choices that will take you in another direction. It's, it's that altering the course. 
know, each of these things that you do, dependence upon the world, looking to the world, looking to this candidate or that candidate, you know, you may not be able to resist going down and voting for this candidate or that candidate. I'm, I'm surprised at the number of people that are picking which candidates. Uh, I'm not, I'm not totally shocked, but I find it fascinating. You know, some of the people I know are going to be voting for Bernie, and some are voting for Hillary, and some are voting for, for, uh, uh, Trump. And some would have voted for Cruz, but I guess he stepped out. And I don't really care who you vote for, because I know that that's not going to change the course of your life, nor your neighbor's life. And we're going to talk about these spiritual, how this spiritual course follows when we come back in a moment to Keys of the Kingdom. have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. back to uh, Keys of the Kingdom. So, the journey. The journey is a spiritual journey first, but it's a spiritual journey in a physical world. So, we can tell if we're off course by physical evidence that we leave along the path. If you're murdering, if you're stealing, if you're uh, uh, bearing false witness, you know, you're a big liar, liar. Uh, you must be off course. If you're covetous of your neighbor's good. Somebody was talking to me about uh, 
uh, a family member that thought that government benefits were okay. That they weren't coveting. I'm not coveting anybody. I don't want anybody else's stuff. I just want the government benefit. Well, where does the government get it? What it's going to give you. It takes it away from your neighbor. And it takes it away at the point of a gun. Yeah, but it's the government. Yeah, but it's by force. Until John the Baptist, all the governments of the world were established by force. The governments, the constitutional orders and systems of government. That's the word they use there when they say world. We're using force. Rome was doing it. Herod was doing it. Syria was doing it. They were all doing it. Now, there were other governments outside that did not do it. But they weren't a part of the world. They were on the planet, but they weren't a part of the world. Today... There isn't a country in the entire planet that has not become a socialist nation. Now, some more than others, obviously. But they all use the government to take away from the needy, uh, take away from the people to provide for the needy. And actually, they end up taking away from the needy because they're all debt systems and therefore they all have inflation and inflation robs the poor more than anybody else. So, the, the very system that they create to help the poor is strangling the poor. <laughs> and keeps them poor because then they offer you more. Give us more power and we will fix this. <laughs> because really, what you've done is you've created offices of power. This is the camel's nose in the tent. When you create offices of power, guess what? Men who seek power seek office. And men who seek power over their neighbor seek to elect men who seek power. This is the spirit of the times. This is the Zeitgeist of the time. The Zeitgeist of the time is take a bite out of your neighbor. You don't, don't get the blood in your mouth. You let the government take the bite out of your neighbor and then you just go and make application for the flesh of your neighbor. Let us build a city. We be the flesh. The city be the pot. That's what it says in the Bible. What do you think they're talking about? They're talking about what you've done. You're biting and devouring one another. The zombie apocalypse is on you. And you don't see it. Zombies don't know they're zombies. They just know they're hungry. <laughs> so what, how do you fight this? You don't fight it. You walk a different path. Resist not evil. Walk a different path. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all the realms and multiple dimensions thereof. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You know, you're 75% water. Is the Spirit of God moving on you? Well, what path? Have you taken? What what footsteps have you left behind? What marks of faith? What fruit are you leaving behind? 
you're leaving your children in debt by billions and trillions of dollars in every single country, Norway, Sweden, Australia, even China. <laughs> you know, they, they, they've focused on buying U.S. Federal Reserve notes because now they think they own the United States and they're going to come and collect. Sure, them and a lot of other people. And, of course, they're going to use lots of people to do this. And, and it's it's going to be a real mess. But there's also going to be other things that come along. I mean, the weather is changing. It's not global warming because of what man is doing. It's going to be probably global cooling more than anything else. But there will be earthquakes and all these other things. And, I mean... If you had the earthquakes that took place in 1811 to 1814 in the Midwest along the New Madrid Fault, if you had them now, millions upon millions of people would suffer. Billions and billions of dollars would would uh, be lost. I, I shouldn't put it in terms of dollars, but the value or the perceived value of them would be lost. Food shortages, fuel shortages, crops failing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Besides the tens of thousands of people that might die, it depends on how severe they are. Those are the largest earthquakes in the history of the United States. Took place between 1811 and 1814 in that area in the New Madrid Vault. You know, Mississippi River ran the opposite direction. Same thing, you know, if you start having subduction quakes here on the east coast, on the west coast, tidal waves wiping out whole towns, whole subdivisions, hospitals, schools, wiped away in a matter of minutes. All those things happened just before we got here. And they're going to happen again. They always do. It's just a matter of time. And, and when people are informed about this and it's explained to them, what do they do? They build a hospital in the floodplain of the tsunami. So the very place that they're going to need the most will be gone. Schools are still going to be gone. Children are going to be gone. You warn people. They don't get it. You're off course. You can't see. You Because... You think you see already. Because you think you're saved already, you remain blind. And, and you're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to change course. And, 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 I mean, this is Lot's wife. Lot's wife kept him back. You know? And finally he said, we got to go. <laughs> he actually, he had... You know, angels actually making him go. Uh, but uh, she just wouldn't follow. She 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 would go. She wanted to go back. What what was actually happening then? Another whole story. So what are what are we dealing with now? How are we uh, dealing with the reality? Of the zeitgeist of the times. The spirit of the times. Are we following that spirit? 
or are we following the Spirit of Christ? Because the Spirit of Christ was not taking a bite out of one another. The early Christians uh, were following what they called the way. Uh, you know, I understand that many people feel a loss of freedom today and a deterioration of their present condition financially, uh, liberty-wise. You know, I mean, all sorts of you know, regulations and controls, everything. I just heard the other day that uh, families coming from Great Britain uh, had booked a vacation. We're going to come to America and see the sights and go to Disney World and all this stuff. And they all had the new biometric passports except for the father who still had his old passport and thought it was still good. Well, after April 1st, it wasn't good anymore. And they wouldn't let him go. I mean, this is a guy, you know, I mean, he's lived in Great Britain his generation after generation. He's not a terrorist. He's a family on vacation. It's very clearly he's a family on vacation. They know who he is. They can, they can, he has the passport. He just didn't have the biometric one. Can't go. No, absolutely not. Can't go. Yeah, all your reservations gone. Your, your flight plans gone. You're a prisoner here. Go back to your cell. <laughs> he just, they just wouldn't let him go. Because he didn't have the electronic ID. He had the regular ID. But he didn't have the, you know, biochip in his passport. So he was a prisoner in England. Can't go out. These are good times and people are doing this to each other. And they've developed a whole mindless bureaucracy that says, Oh, oh. We have to do that. We're just following orders. Today, they ruin your vacation. Tomorrow, they ruin your life. The day after that, they kill you. <laughs> just following orders. I have to do this. Otherwise, I might be in jeopardy. And after all, I have to care about myself more than I care about other people. You see, that's the spirit, the Zeitgeist, that is being cultivated. But again... If you were to walk in the Spirit, you could say, we're not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> you could get through. But you can't do that. Because you're following another Spirit. You're not following the Spirit of Christ. The Kingdom of Heaven is within you. But if there's the Spirit of the times in you, then the Kingdom of Heaven is not within you. It's the zeitgeist of the time that's within you. You need to cast out those demons. You can't do it. Christ can. What I'm just showing you is evidence that you're not seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You, your churches don't have a daily ministration. It's the men who exercise authority that have the daily ministration. You're not taking care of the widows and orphans. You're not even taking care of your parents. You're not taking care of the education of your children. You're sending them to the men who exercise authority. And you say, well, that's the system that we have today. That is the system. And it's run by the seat guy spirit of the times. You, you can homeschool your kids. You can take care of one another. You could take care of your parents. Just had a call this morning. Somebody 
trying to take care of their parents. Now she's still getting a social security check. But they're going out of their way. They're spending money. They're trying to take care of her. It's just a beginning. But at least that's the other direction. You know, they're kind of changing course. They're not just putting her in a home. They're making a home for her in their own home. That's a good sign. It's not enough. But it's a start in the right direction. It's changing course. It's seeking the kingdom. And and that's what you all need to do in a million ways. Because in a million ways you've been going... If you're Like I said if in the last show, you're just three degrees off. You won't even get near your destination. Well, most of you are 15 degrees off. <laughs> Maybe 20 degrees off. Some of you are going in the opposite direction, but you probably don't want to even hear this. But you might repent and turn around. So anyway, the... The early Christians were, Christianity was called the way because it was a different way of doing everything. The whole Christian conflict with Rome was the fact that they wanted to take care of one another, meet every week, those that had shared with those that didn't have enough. That's the way we do it. That's what they wrote to the emperor. The emperor says, no, you got to belong to our, you know, that particular emperor didn't, but the next one more so, and the next one after that, even more so, said you have to belong to our temples. You have to sign up. Well, most of you have already signed up. You're already in the bondage of Egypt. Now you have to kind of turn around and start going the other direction. This, the way, was a way of love and sacrifice for one another. It required that you forgive one another because you were all going to screw up and do something wrong. But it also required that you give to one another. And you had to do it in an organized fashion, which goes back to that shepherd thing. Why they were called shepherds. Well, people understood sheep. All, all sheep back in those days, just about, were range sheep. They weren't farm flocks. They were range sheep. They moved about to get grace. There are very few. I mean, nobody had, you know, woven wire fences or anything. So, the range sheep, were out there where the wolves and the coyotes and the bobcats and the lions and mountain lions and bears were, so they had to learn how to stay together or be picked off one at a time. So this is this is what you want to do is move in that direction. This is why we created the Living Network. This is why we want you to you know, join in by geographical location and get to know one another. But we have a lot of people going around, well, we only want people in our congregation that talk like we talk, walk like we walk, look like we, you know, you know, wear, you know, two-inch suspenders and, you know, like the Amish do. You know, you have different size hats and brims of your hats and different size suspenders. God don't care. That's just, that's just trimming the corners of your beard. That's what that was all about. It was gathering in groups that looked like each other. That wore the same gang colors. It was dividing you. You know, you've got to be the Lutheran Synod or the Methodist or the Presbyterian or Jehovah Witness or whatever. No, you don't. You have to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And it doesn't matter who you seek it with. Now, there will be people that you probably shouldn't have anything to do with, but you start off willing to gather and forgive one another. And if evil comes in your midst, 
and and makes a home there in your congregation, you need to ask yourself why they're there. You don't have to cast them out. You have to bring the light of the Holy Spirit into you. Now this is now we're getting into the mechanics of this spiritual journey. Evil everybody is affected by evil. There's almost nobody who is not tempted. I say almost nobody. I actually don't think there is anybody who is not tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. Tempted to turn stones into bread. To tempt God. The fate of God. You know, it's like the guy who, you know, God sends, you know, the, what was it, a jeep, a boat, you know, and a helicopter, and the guy kept saying, no, I'm going to wait till God saves me, and eventually he drowns and gets up to heaven, and God says, I sent the, the, the jeep, the boat, and the helicopter, and, but the guy wasn't going to do that. He wanted God to save him. That's tempting God, and that's what the devil was doing with Jesus takes him up to a high place. If you leap off, God will save you. And uh, he says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So there are things you need to do. You can't just sit there and say, God will save us. God will save us. No, he's giving you time. He's giving you talent. He's giving you resources. He's gone away. What are you doing with the resources you have? What are you doing with the talent and the time you have? Are you trying to save others? I sent a notice to our, our personal contact ministry group about the show today. Only a few of them passed it on to their local groups. I could send them a rebuke, but maybe some of them are listening. Maybe they'll talk amongst each other and say, Hey, you know, we need to be more responsive. You know, I don't do it every week that way. A lot of times I'll send it out to everybody, and I did eventually to everybody in the network. But uh, I'm, actually, I'm not sure whether it went out or not. I've I've seen some glitches lately. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it appears to have gone out so that people could listen to this radio show. Uh, but the reality is, is that you need to start thinking about others. You, you say, "Oh well, there's going to be a special radio show." or there's going to be a special talk, or there's going to be a special gathering. We have a gathering in the Carolinas, near Waynesville. Did you know about it? Are you in the Carolina area? Could you have gone to that? I was there uh, five years ago on the whirlwind tour. I have somebody else there now, touring. Did you know about the meeting? Did you gather together with them? Are you a part of the network? Oh, no, I've been so busy, I couldn't be... Well... Did you know that when you need help, when you need people, they may be too busy to come help you? Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. When you make little choices of self-sacrifice, you set your spirit on another course, the course of Christ. Every time, how do you draw near the course of Christ, the way of Christ? Sacrifice. Why? Because that's in his nature. When you hesitate to sacrifice, you you go off course. You're pulled away towards the realm that does not sacrifice itself 
It sacrifices others. Eats the blood of others. It strangles others. You see, that's that's a spiritual reality. You think that, oh, if I say this to them and they will understand. If I show them this, they will understand. If I give them, you know, Brother Gregory's book, then they will see it because it's so obvious. No, they will only see it by the grace of God. And the grace of God is a spiritual grace. God will remove the scales from their eyes as they walk in the ways of God. And you walk a little ways, he removes a little bit. Walk a little more, he removes. You must always turn revelation into reality. You must be the creator of the world you seek. Now, God will, you will need the power of God to create that world of righteousness. Because the righteousness doesn't come from you. It comes from the tree of life, from the Holy Spirit. But you need to walk in that way. You need to start caring about somebody else other than yourself. Now, that's why God gives you children and family. You care about them. That's why He gives you a, a you know, obstinate wife or a lazy husband. He gives you somebody to forgive. <laughs> that's right. That's what they're there for, to forgive. So now your enemy is sitting outside in the car. And you get all upset. Why? That's an opportunity to forgive. To forgive them, they know not what they do. Ah, there's that quote again. If you're blaming the New World Order, if you're blaming the Zionists, if you're blaming the Illuminati or the Masons, or the Federal Reserve. You should be forgiving them. They know not what they do. And when you start forgiving others because they know not what they do, then you might start knowing what you do. (laughs) But if you're going to not forgive them, guess what? You're going to not know what you're doing. You're going to... You're going to think you're saving yourself and you will actually be killing yourself like the guy running to the bomb shelter in England during the Blitz. Running to the bomb shelter. Many of you heard this. Hopefully we get new listeners and they can hear my stories again. (laughs) Running to the bomb shelter because he was afraid that he could hear them coming and his where he was... If he had just sat there where he was, he would have been okay. But he ran to the bomb shelter and was blown up because a direct 500-pounder went right into the bomb shelter and killed him. He was madly... Dis- I mean, there's all kinds of stories like that. You know, the the guy who sees death on the road to Damascus and he, he, he r- kills his horse riding to Damascus and, and uh, finally the, he sees death again. As he lays there in the street. And he says, I thought you were there to kill me in wherever it was. <laughs> Baghdad. And uh, he says, no, I was surprised to see you in Baghdad. Because I knew I had an appointment with you in Damascus. And the reality is, unless you change spiritually, you're doomed. And, and I mean... The stories are rampant that this is the truth. This is the way. You can't just change in your head because that's the knowledge of good and evil. You have to change in your spirit. In order to change in your spirit, you have to see 
your spirit as you really are. Which is why I'm showing you that you're back in bondage. The bondage of Egypt, what was it? All the You couldn't own gold because it all belonged. You could get legal title to gold if you're a goldsmith. But you couldn't own it. Not with a lawful title. This is why I wrote the book Covenants of the Gods. To show you that you're in the bondage of Egypt. In the bondage of Egypt, 20% of everything you produced during the year had to go to the government. You didn't own your land. You had a legal title to it. You had a legal title to your labor. And your children were born in debt. And you had to register your children. And it was you were taxed based on your children from the beginning. So people were actually aborting their children, casting out their fetuses, that's what it says uh, in Egypt because of the economic burden of the times, of the zeitgeist of that time. And that's what's happening today. You, you want to end abortion? Repent. Turn around. Start going the other way. The system is going to collapse. It's going to come down with a crushing uh, vengeance. I'm not telling you to, you know, start building a bunker. You know, I'll let God tell you what to do. Maybe he doesn't want, maybe if you build that bunker, that's where you'll be, it'll be your tomb. You know, you, you get that cabin in the woods with your buddies and that will be where you are cornered and die. Because you were trying to save yourself in, in a couple of buddies. You were not trying to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You were just trying to save yourself. Go to another country. Save yourself. Go to the woods. Save yourself. Set yourself free. You know, fill out these paper. I'll be free. You're, it's all about yourself. That's what got you into trouble. You have to lay down your life if you want life more abundant. That's the ways of the kingdom. That's the ways of Christ. You're off course. And going to church and singing songs doesn't put you back on course. You need to you need to see spiritually how you were so blind. Why you ended up where you've ended up. And there is no hocus pocus. No elaborate vocabulary. No paperwork. No clever scheme that will save you. It's the Spirit of Christ that will save you. Let it in. We'll be right back. Come back. Uh, so, what's going to happen? Uh, economic collapse. Um, you know, uh, geological changes in the Earth, uh, upper stratosphere changes causing weather, cooling of the planet, heating of the planet, volcanoes, wrath of God kind of disasters. Well, all of the above will probably happen eventually. 
Is it soon? Is it far away? No man knows the date. But what's happening right now in your own soul? Are you really walking with Christ or are you walking with your head in the clouds? Are you really walking the path of the early church? Because you don't have a daily ministration that takes care of the needy. You depend on government. Men who exercise authority one over the other. They call themselves benefactors, but they really just give you what they take away from others. That's just so simple. And that's right out of the mouth of Christ. We are not to be that way. But you are, so you're not following Christ. You say you love Him, but you're not following Christ. I, I, what makes me right and everybody else wrong? I mean, because that's the way a lot of people look at it. So what makes you think you're so right? I'm just telling you, I'm bearing witness to what I see. You don't have to believe me. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't believe me. You should believe what's written in your heart because that's the zeitgeist that is taking you to the realms of wherever you're going. The spirit of your time is what you're following. I don't know what you're following. That's what I, when we talk about kingdom tracks. You know, my kids were home taught. And there's... That changes. That's, that changes the course of our lives. They they may not understand why it has made them what they are today. Made me what I am today. Because that's the course that we followed. I went to school. I learned all kinds of stuff in school. But I didn't, I, I didn't go to public school. I went to private school. My parents paid tuition. You know, I, I grew up hearing about the law and the legal system because my father was an attorney. That was something that was just talked about. You know, if there was a question, anything to do with law or, or the system, he had the answer. I mean, we knew people in government. Uh, uh, he knew the good old boy corruption behind the scenes. He hated it. It's not why he went into the law. He went into the law because he had a genuine desire to see justice. But he found out the legal system really wasn't about justice. It was about power. It could be about justice, but the spirit of the times is about power. What you get, what you, you know, greed, avarice, is what's moving society. I mean, people talk about the pharmaceuticals producing all these poisonous drugs that everybody is taking and killing people and and crippling people and creating autism and all this stuff. That's the spirit of the times making that happen. It's not the pharmaceutical companies. It's the spirit of the times. If you want to be in the other camp, you have to change spiritually. And this is what we're talking about. Alex Jones and Glenn Beck. And they're all praying. and they're all, But the, the anger, the resistance... You know, it's it's all 1984. It doesn't really matter which side you're on because they're all not being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I mean, some of them are a little bit closer and some of them are seen and they're individuals. I'm not picking on the individual. I'm saying you have to follow the ways of Christ. And those ways, I could explain a lot of them. But it's spiritually you have to do this. And I can can see how somebody changes your environment and suddenly you're angry. 
you're upset and you're you're you hate you know I could just hear him he's talking about how he hates this other guy and he's that's unforgiveness that's not letting God be the judge it's taking away the very power that would allow you to stand against evil you know I, I can't give you specifics but I'm, I'm talking in generalities and those of you who have ears to hear think about it how if sacrifice forgiveness draws you closer to Christ the destination that we're seeking then hate and unforgiveness and jealousy and envy and all these things we call vices draws us the other way towards the kingdom of hell soon hell will be empty and all the demons will be here History repeats itself. The question is, what side of history are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side of the early church who thrived during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire? Or will you be on the side of the Roman Empire? I can guarantee you that Christians were not campaigning to elect a new emperor to set things right. They were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And the perfect law of liberty. You know, like Glenn Beck they, they've got a charitable institution that goes out and helps and does big things and everything and also brings in big money. And that's that's better than what I'm seeing in other camps. But it's still not kingdom. It's like Good Samaritan uh, healthcare shares. Close to kingdom, better than prudential, but still not quite kingdom. Why? Because... It's not bringing people together. And that's what you need to do is bring people together on an intimate basis to cover every aspect of your life. The The kingdom of God is a real system of government. It does not exercise authority one over the other. It requires people who are following the Holy Spirit problem is you're not really seeing it. You're not really walking it. Like Mark Twain said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you absolutely think you know is true that just ain't so. And you haven't accepted Jesus if you don't have a daily ministration. If you're not coming together with the intention of serving one another. That's that's not Christ. You haven't accepted Him into your heart. You accepted an idea into your head and into your emotions. What are you waiting for? Why aren't you seeking the kingdom of God? This system of government that operates on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Why aren't you coming together with one another? Why are you so divided? Like scattered sheep. Start coming together. Yeah, you're far apart. Then start finding all the people that are near each other. Start forming every every person in the network should be trying to figure out ways of expanding that network and finding the lost sheep. I remember coming upon about eight or nine sheep that had followed a black-faced sheep away from the herd. And then suddenly, real it was a mottled-faced sheep. It wasn't really black-faced. 
the black-faced sheep are farm flocks. They're not range sheep. They don't know how to stay together. Uh, just suffix and hams. Uh, black sheep lives matter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, the reality was, is they strayed. And they I came around a hill and there they were. And they were bang for the other sheep. Bang, bang. They wanted to find, they were making the noise, calling out to the other sheep. Of course, coyotes hear that noise too. <laughs> and they didn't know where to go. Well, I knew where the other sheep were. And so I was going to start moving in there. Well, as I pushed them to go, I didn't push on them with my hands. I just came closer to them. They felt threatened by me coming closer to them and they wanted to run around me to the other side rather than go the direction they wanted to go. So I had to fool them into thinking I didn't want them to go around in the direction that the other sheep were going. And sure enough, it worked and they they ran around the other way thinking they were getting away with something and then they saw the other sheep. They were too far away to hear them but because they were in the desert, they saw them. And then they all took off, running back to get with the rest of the flock. It's my day every day. <laughs> we still have people coming in and dividing. Oh, no, you got to believe this. Oh, you got to believe that. you got to see. you got to look this way. And No. You have to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You have to care and love one another. You have to forgive the fact that they don't really have it perfectly in their understanding. And you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, over the years, I had to come to the the realization that a lot of the things that I thought were true were not true. And, but I had, so I'm constantly realizing, oh my gosh, that's not true. Oh, that's not true. Oh, that's not true. And in order to constantly, when you're out sailing, I've, I've done some sailing out to sea where there's no land about. <laughs> and you're, you're trying to keep on course. And you're constantly adjusting that course. You know, because you've got wind and you've got current, you've got drift. And, and so you're constantly readjusting that course. And then you have to, you have to get out of sextant and figure out where you're at out there. And then when you figure out where you're at, you make another course correction. So the fact is, if you're not homeschooling, if you're not taking care of your elderly, if you're not taking care of the poor, if you're not loving your enemy, you got to love your enemy. Forgive them. They know not what they do. That's probably the last program of the day. We're going to have to go through that. What I believe now is that you are merchandise. Not because of the conspiracies of others but because of your own covetous, selfish hearts and and your parents. kingdom of God is from generation to generation and the bondage of Egypt was from generation to generation. So once your parents have gone that way, you have gone that way. What's the answer? Repent. Seek the kingdom of God. Fill each other's water flasks. You know, 
which actually had to do with filtering the water so that everybody could drink. Take care of one another. And this this will lead you degree by degree back towards the ways of God. You cannot be slothful. You have to do some overtime. You cannot be covetous. That means you can't even covet your own goods. Say, I want to keep this. I don't want to let this. I don't want to share this. I'll share that. But I don't. My wife is always sharing. You know, uh, when we had lots of kids, you know, everybody would get this much of a piece of pie. So she makes a pie. This is, you know, we all knew this. This is all we were going to get. Well, now most of my kids have moved away. So she makes a pie. I figure, hey, I'm going to get a lot of pie. And then the grandkids come over. She gives it all away. <laughs> She makes a cake and all of a sudden there's nothing but one piece left. It's because she sent it over to the other kids. <laughs> Her generosity is just killing me. <laughs> but that's, that's, you can't be selfish with your own stuff even. You have to, you have to want to give by nature. It has to come naturally. Uh, political members of nations of the world are all surety for debt. That's what I believe. And that's the facts. And the, every country is in a national debt. And so your children are born in debt. Their blood, their labor, their sweat, their toil. Their children are born into bondage because you wanted stuff now from a government that exercises authority one over the other. That's the world. That's the zeitgeist you've created. If you want to uncreate that spiritually, you have to start becoming a giving individual. To give means you have to forgive because you don't. I don't want to give it to that guy because he's a he's a rotten guy. No, no, you have to have this other spirit of Christ who came to save you. You have to come to save others, not to save yourself. The gifts, gratuities, and benefits of the world have seduced you into becoming a slothful, selfish individual. And it is cultivating that in your children. That's, that's the new millennium. The problem is not the offer. The problem is the fact that you were tempted and took the bait. Your parents... And, and the snares and the traps of the world have bound you. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. But the temptation of it that continues. I paid in. I want it back. It's gone. But I want it back. Well, we can't give it to you back. We have to take it from your children and your grandchildren. Well, okay, take it from them. No, you have to find out. You're going to have to change some of your 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 lifestyles. And you can do this a little at a time. Say you're on a fixed income. You only have so much. Can Is there something you can do without sacrifice to contribute to others? I mean, either through the church or on your own. I don't care. However the Spirit leads you. But you have to start to sacrifice and care about others. That's what will get you back on course. We have to be like Christ was. If you're not, you're not following Christ. 
Because you're following Christ, you're going to be walking in His footsteps. We have to be uh, unselfish and stop being covetous of our neighbor's goods and what they what what our neighbor produces. We we do not want more benefits. We want less from the world. We want to take what we have and benefit others. Even if we don't have much, even if it's only a penny, it will be counted as a great sum. The poorer you are, the more what you give is counted. Christ was explaining a spiritual principle. But it has to be a real sacrifice. It can't be just, I don't want to give up anything, but I happen to have $5 left over. No, you have to give up. You have to give actual sacrifice. We have to stop desiring the benefits at our neighbor's expense, whether he's rich or poor. We have to start being unselfish. Start caring about others through our personal sacrifice and start taking back our responsibilities in the practice of pure religion, taking care of the needy. We also have to give and forgive others, even our enemies. The the guy the other night, when he, he saw somebody he perceives as his enemy, he couldn't forgive him and he just got all worked up and he became like the very beast he hated in the other person because hate, anger, jealousy, they are forms of worship. Daily practiced in the kingdom of hell. You have to give that up. And, and, you know, this is why I was sharing with the people on the network uh, a meditation that helps you see this coming. See this anger, resentment, uh, jealousy welling up in you and carrying you away. It helps you practice. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you're going to be a seaman in the old sailing ships, you had to learn how to climb a rope. So you had to develop the muscles to climb that rope so that you weren't pulled away by every wave that tosses you to and fro. Well, mentally, you have to learn how to calm yourself, focus. But ultimately, salvation is following Christ, following the way. We need to be keeping the commandments. We would need to be following that way of Christ, of, of no jealousy, of no selfishness. We would be like the early Christians who had a daily ministration, not the modern Christians who depend upon the benefactors who exercise authority. We would be like the early church with a charitable practice rather than a covetous practice. So where is your daily ministration? Who is taking care of your parents? Who is taking care of you? Who are you taking care of? Where is your pure religion unspotted by the world, the constitutional order and system of government? Where is the Corbin of Christ that makes the word of God to effect? 
And where is your assembly that can attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith? Through faith, hope, and charity, personal sacrifice. You see, that tells you that you're not on track. This this praying to those benefactors who exercise authority. You're going the way of Babylon, the way of Nimrod, the way of Caesar. You're not seeking and repenting and going the way of the kingdom of God and his righteousness is based on faith, hope, and charity. Yes, there's, it's not the fault of the snake. You can't blame the snakes of the world, the Illuminati's of the world. Eve tried that. She tried to blame the snake. He tempted me. Did it work for her? No. Adam, he tried to blame God, the woman you gave me. No, that's that didn't work for him. What was it? The appetite to decide for yourself, to to lord it over others, to rule from your own mental boastful brain. Tell you the truth, I don't know what to do a lot of times. I have to pray about it for me. But I can tell you this, if you sit and eat with a ruler, Consider diligently what is before you, the benefits he offers. And if you be a man of appetite and say, well, you know, I I should collect this. I should take this. Put a knife to your throat. If thou be a man given to appetite, he serves deceitful meats. And spiritually, it will drag you in a direction you do not want to go. It will take you off course. It will create a current that will take you away from where you are headed or want to head. We cannot take the benefits of the world and claim to be separate. But if you take the benefits of the world, pray that Christ hear you. If you want Christ to hear you, start becoming a benefit to one another. Start learning the way of Christ. And it's like the loaves and fishes. Nobody would share. There was food, but they didn't share. Somebody would share with Christ. What did he do? He gobbled it down. No. He took it, broke it, and passed it out to others. And suddenly there was enough. You need to come together. You think you can't do this? You need to come together. Have faith. I know many must take benefits today or starve. But you can take a share and share with others. You, and that's, that's where you need to start. Baby steps. But you need to come together in practical ways. This, the early church did it. Uh, Abraham did it with his altars of clay and stone. And, and so did Moses. Call it as it is. See it as it is. See yourself as you are. Let us not pretend. Let us strive together to love one another. Let's not strive together over doctrinal issues that may or may not be true, but are often the result of private interpretation. Don't be slothful in the way. Remember, the study to show thyself approved. The word there, study, is not the word for study, but the word for being diligent. There are no slothful people 
in the kingdom of God. We are supposed to be seeking that kingdom, which is a system that no longer eats at the table of kings and benefactors who exercise authority. Their table is not a snare that traps the body, but frees the heart. That's where we need to go. So let's not practice wickedness. Practice righteousness. See you on the network. God bless. Peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.